The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Happy Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska. Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are in. We are crossing fingers that the skies don't open up. Some of us either are going to see Nebraska baseball or eh, you have uh, you have Junior's Wood Bat Tournament, which I'm pretty geeked about. Did you end up buying him that wood bat? Dude, I caved. <laughs> <laughs> What, 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 is it like a nice piece of oak? What, what, what is it? I, I, don't, I don't even know what wood bats are made out of anymore. Dave Manerick, Cornhusker State Games, Nebraska Sports Council, his son was helping us. Hmm. And it was, it was awesome. Phenomenal service. We went to Shields. And uh, shameless shout out. Sorry. But, hey, dude was all about it. Knew the different choices. Um, I... Clearly, never swung a bat very well in my career, and uh, the, the wood bat I have, my grandpa Hunt made me circa 1992. All right, there was no lightning strike, there was no split tree, a la Roy Hobbs. But that's that's the wood bat I have. What we purchased for him was on sale, and the the running joke all week has been. You know, how quickly do we get that bad boy corked? <laughs> and uh, kidding, you know, it's it's going to be the old uh, George Brett treatment of his bat the minute he takes position tonight. I'm excited, though, because uh, old co-host from Columbus, Dave Gustafson, he has the Columbus Mariners. That's the team he manages and coaches. His boy is playing in this tournament this weekend. I didn't reach out to Gus. Today, I should have, uh, depending on if, if Columbus and uh, the Lincoln A's play one another uh, this weekend. We'll see who wins, who doesn't. But we may have a Gus appearance on Monday, just either to rub it in or, or, or pay off wagering. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's, it's the, uh, the Sox tournament, and we have friends over on that team. So that's just over here, at least locally in Lincoln at Fleming Field, not far from, the, from where we're at here. So... No, I'm excited about it. I want, you know, warmer temperatures. I'm going to whine like a wuss till we get them. It's not bad out, but I don't want any rainfall. Clearly, the um, the NCAA uh, was worried about weather when uh, picking the, uh, the host sites and uh, of all the potential host sites for college baseball's postseason to Omaha. Seven uh, uh, conferences that are represented but none from the Big Ten. Great question by Mitch Sherman. Wonder why that happened. The Big Ten being idiotic with the non-conference issue, as in 
Good luck. Eat your own. But there'll be no non-conference games for you to, to crank up your RPI. Florida, Gonzaga, Louisiana Tech, Mississippi State, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Stanford, TCU, Tennessee, Texas, Tech, and Vandy. No Lincoln. Uh, no, no Creighton either, because that was also a discussion point, right? Creighton may get the nod as kind of a, a dress rehearsal for the College World Series. So that's uh, the news today. The bigger picture for Nebraska is going to be, do you handle business this weekend? And and right now, I know Michigan looms, but Nebraska, they're going to treat it and take it one game at a time. We'll hear from Will Bolton about 20 minutes. But you've, you've got to, I, I hate this, but you got to go sweep. Right? You just, you just do. Despite Northwestern's offense, despite, you know, they are on scholarship too, you've got to sweep. You got to keep pace with Indiana and then hope you, 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 you trounce Michigan because, again, thank you, Big Ten, you have no Big Ten baseball tournament. You can go get your automatic bid in most years by winning the conference tournament. Or if you win the regular season crown, you're good. The good news is the Big Ten, despite not having baseball last year very much when the pandemic hit, you're on the heels of Michigan playing great baseball, going to the College World Series final against Vandy, they were up one to nothing in that best of three. Vandy won two straight. You know, Vandy's got a major league pitching staff. They're just holding on to those kids before they get drafted in the first 12 picks. And, you know, that was a giant statement two seasons ago by the Big Ten, by Michigan. Well, you got Michigan, you have Indiana, you have Iowa, you have Nebraska, uh, teams that have, have done well this year. And uh, I love the attitude and the focus of Nebraska baseball. I like how they win. I like how they pitch. I like how they bounced back last weekend. The thing that's always, you know, rearing its head right now is that margin of error is slim to none and slim left town for getting a regional host site. And then when you fall like you did to Rutgers, Nebraska did what they needed to do. They bounced back last weekend in that Piscataway uh, set up with, you know, one and one against Indiana, and then they, they took two in a row from Rutgers. You got to carry that momentum forward now and take down the Wildcats. Uh, the good news is, is you're not having to play in, <laughs> in Northwestern. You at least get to be here, you know, weather permitting. And excited for Nebraska to keep on rolling. Uh, they, have, they have found ways to just lock in. And uh, Will Bolt, I love listening to him talk because – and this isn't to, to continue to gush, but it is Saban-like. It's like Will Bold has thousands of years of experience as a head coach. He doesn't. He, I mean, he has good experience, but he not only says all the right things, his teams do what he says. I mean, they are fundamentally sound. They're great defensively. They attack the baseball. They're aggressive on the base paths. And uh, he is very transparent about what it takes to win at this level. And he's always been a grinder man. And, and he was great here at Nebraska. And what he's passed on to his team along with his staff, they're, uh, they're for real. And he is, he's a coach I love hearing from because he's a 1,000% on it with what he says. And then those results translate. 
Yeah, and all those things I, I agree with. It's just in the Big Ten, the margin of error is so small. This is like the Big 12 when they're trying to get into the college football playoff. Oklahoma, they can't slip up. If they you got to win your non-conference game. <laughs> if, if Oklahoma finishes the season at 11-1, and one, it's a tough shake for them to try to get into the college football playoff. Um, depends who you lose to, but in how the Big 12s looked, I guess aside from last year, uh, Iowa State was pretty good last year. But uh, aside from last year, Oklahoma's known going into the season, we need to go run the table every single year uh, to go get into the college football playoff. And in Husker baseball, they had won every single season series against their Big 12 opposition until they ran into Rutgers. Mm-hmm. They lose all three to Rutgers, and that's one weekend, and it takes you straight out of regional host uh, yeah. territory. It's, one weekend. It's brutal. It, it not only does it take you out of hosting position, but then it sends you as a two-seed likely to Arkansas if we're mm-hmm. looking at projections, right? And that that's, sucks. That's not where you want to be. You'll take on the best team in college baseball. You've got great familiarity. There's wonderful storylines attached with Van Horn and Will Bolt if that's how it happens. But... Good luck and God bless that's a against tough road getting through. Good luck yeah. and God bless against that Arkansas team. And that's just Big Ten baseball. You got to keep your focus up for all uh, for the entire season. And that's not even just this year. Whenever there's no non-conference, you got to keep it up all year round. Whenever you're even playing non-conference opponents to get that RPI up a little bit, you still got to keep your focus through the Big Ten season. Because really, at the end of the day, if you're making the NCAA tournament out of the Big Ten, you are head and shoulders above the rest of the conference. Hmm? You are. You got to be. And you can't afford to slip up when you're head and shoulders above the rest of the conference. No. So. Elijah, you spent a couple of years playing left tackle. Uh, I really enjoy this footage here from Cam Jurgens. Not only is he a beast with what he's put up with the uh, the numbers and the squats and uh, the strength numbers that got released, but um, how did you uh, work on your your lateral foot speed? Did you uh, did you shadow block a potentially pissed off bull in your field? <laughs> Uh, d- down uh, down near Beatrice because I'm watching footage right now of, of Cam Jurgens working on Pass Pro and shuffling right to left and left to right and wisely the bull decides to take a right turn and, and head into the pan. Well, uh, did you also see the video of uh, Phelan Sanford? He's, he's kind of nice. He was, he? he was essentially blocking a bull down on his farm, uh, wherever I'm not sure where his farm is located. I know I know the Jurgens farm is near Beatrice. Mm. Um, but uh, back to your question, it, with lateral foot speed, I, I typically didn't use a bull. Um, I know that might not be conventional in this state. Uh, I use like the little tiny little uh, little little ladder things that you can step over, you know, right. to use that. But uh, I think a bull works even better. Um, it really gives you that accurate it, it sense of a big back. ten nose guard. Yeah, um, and, and center is one of those unique positions. Whenever you're pass blocking, where with the left tackle and the left guard and all that, you're trying to get depth a little bit because the guy is going to try to beat you deep into the pocket. You're creating that pocket. Whereas the center, you're more attacking and lateral um, with how you're going to be pass blocking. Usually you're going to have a nose guard that's somehow shaded on you, not going to be straight up eye to eye, going to be either on one of your shoulders or on the other. So you got to use that lateral and kind of attack, and it, it looks great against that bull. That's all i got to say. That that pass block looks looks awesome. I just gonna want to see him flip it around and, and snap straight into that bull. <laughs> yeah. Bull versus Jurgens, no thank you. I would, I would feel bad. That's beyond bullfighting. Uh, I, I would feel bad for that bull. But back to Phelan Sanford. Uh, when you look at his his point total and where he's at from a uh, strength and conditioning standpoint, wow, first of all. Second of all, he's a guy you got to see with second-team units, all right? And 
is that because you had guys injured, right? When we talk about who's that opposite cornerback next to Cam Taylor Britt, and you've got Newsom and Clark, but but Phelan Sanford's a guy that has made an impression, and you look at all the work he's put in, and you look at his strength and agility and just what he's been able to do uh, on top of the fact he's showed up, not not just in, in spring testing numbers, but he showed up on the field. And, and it, it's awesome to have, you know, great walk-on stories from the Dundee County, you know, the pride of Dundee County himself. But it looks like this guy's making headway beyond just being a physical beast. He's making headway as a guy that can, can contribute and, and may contribute. And by the way, he's one hell of an athlete. So it's not just a nice story. It's it's a reality where this guy can contribute and, and potentially be an option at corner. Now, where's he at in the pecking order? We kind of laid out where we think things are at. You, you know, uh, you have you have a guy like uh, Braxton Clark and 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 Newsom that Newsom's clearly your, your guy right now. That's that's opposite. But hey, if you have an option in, in Sanford to to look at and you feel comfortable with him being able to match up athletically, that's okay with me. That's okay with me, and, and you're, you're seeing the proof in, in the work, and then you're seeing those numbers come out. And, and I don't want to – this is not a, a jab at him in any way. Uh, this is just saying generally just because you're the, the best athlete on the field does not mean you're the best football player on the field. It's a great start uh, being the guy who is most athletic. It's putting you – uh, in a great position to be the best on the field, but there's more to being a football player than being able to run fast 40 yards without pads on. There's more uh, than being able to squat a lot or being able to hang clean a lot of weight. Again, it's got to translate to the field and, and play. got to translate to the field, but at the end of the day, um, I'm going to be much more scared going up against somebody who squats 600 pounds as opposed to a guy who squats 300 pounds on the football field. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean you're the best football player, but it gives you those physical tools and the physical traits to be a good football player. So I'm excited to see what he can do because he's still got some years of eligibility left. I don't think he's going to be an instant difference maker this year, but he could be one of those guys that uh, you know comes in, shows himself well this year, and then uh, maybe works his way into a starting role next year or the year after. Let's uh, spend some time on recruiting. And uh, one of the guys in Nebraska is trying to win over uh, one of the two kids from from Kansas is uh, Jaron Canick out of Hayes, Kansas. And I saw the footage of his 100-meter track effort, <laughs> and he ran a 10-300, which is phenomenal. And you think of guys like Erwin Sweetie and Eric Crouch, local products, uh, that that were big-time wow factors and had nice careers. Crouch, obviously, Hall of Famer and and phenomenal. But uh, you look at Canick, and to put it in, in reference, I mean, that's like that's the same number as, as DJ Metcalf. The exact same. I mean, and, and I know Metcalf's a little bit bigger and a little heavier, but, but still, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, Nebraska, I still think, sits in a pretty good spot with Canick. The real question is the the good old Kansas boy and Brett Venables, Clemson's defensive coordinator. Uh, remember Simmons, kid that was an Omaha kid that ended up down in Kansas City after his folks moved down there for uh, their gig with Nebraska Furniture Mart. Uh, Nebraska was there in with Simmons. Simmons now a first-round pick that's 
I think going into his second year is kind of that hybrid linebacker safety spot with with the Arizona Cardinals. Nebraska didn't end up closing the deal on him uh, because Brett Venables said, oh, Kansas, my radar's up. Ding, ding, ding. Let's see if we can't get this kid at the last second. Three years later, what happens? Simmons balls out for Clemson. Was uh, phenomenal. Well, you have uh, more tire kicking by Clemson, and it sounds like Clemson's trying to get him on a flight out for an official visit really early in June. So Nebraska's competition with Jaron Kanick from Hayes, Kansas, is uh, the man himself, Brett Venables from Clemson. What happens? Now, Clemson will probably try and work him out. Clemson's in on two other really high-profile linebackers from the region. It'll just kind of be interesting to see, A, if if Kanick is interested in going that far away from home, B, if he can kind of ball out against some of these other four- and five-star prospects. I think he can, but, you know, Nebraska still has a fighting chance with this. Derek Peterson's on the way. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Great to have you back. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Cedric Golden, Austin American statesman. Little college baseball thoughts from him, and we'll dive into the uh, Randy Gregory Situation, situation being, what do you get from Randy Gregory with a new look Dallas defense? So Cedric will talk Cowboys and projections with some of the NFL coming up here in one hour. Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, NBC Sports in less than an hour. We welcome in with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Derek Peterson and Dr. PDHV on Twitter is where you find him. He answers your mailbag questions and does an awesome job with the Varsity Club podcast dr Petey, how's your friday man what's up i'm good uh stressful times around the peterson household but uh no complaints i'm good how are you i'm all right i hope that the the stress uh, dissipates i'm sorry to hear that how was darian daniels how was that chat he was awesome um he's always been great great to uh us at hale varsity great to me um we developed the relationship when i wrote that um, that story on him and his brother and, and kind of how uh, they're playing together for a year sort of came to be. Um, he's a great guy. He's, he's one of those guys that uh, that you root for um, kind of when they move on. Um, he's, that, he's that kind of guy for me for sure. So, yeah, I thought the podcast went really well. Thanks for plugging it. Everybody yeah. else should go listen to it. Do so. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, a whole platform of uh, podcast to check out with Hale Varsity. You know, it's awesome that he landed where he landed. San Francisco is one of those teams that's not far removed from a Super Bowl run and could anchor that defense. Also, Nate Gary finding his way to the Bay Area. So, San Fran could be uh, on the up and up. Interested uh, in, in, in your thoughts here, and I know you just wrote about it a day ago, and uh, that's taking stock in Nebraska's quarterback room and I think uh, I'm kind of on the on the same page as many with not needing to necessarily look at quarterback for the portal. But you've spent an extensive amount of your time this last fall, right, checking out Harburg and up close and personal. And I know you had a great feature on him uh, during uh, last year's Hale Varsity yearbook. And, 
you know, what what are some of your takeaways here with what we got to see spring-wise with Harburg? I know there's still room for growth with Smothers, and he's a kid that'll keep grinding as well. But, you know, that backup spot behind Adrian, I'd love your take on, you know, some of your takeaways with, with Harburg. I'm intrigued and, quite honestly, just take the, the red hat off for a second. Uh, change the uniform. If I've got a guy like Harburg with the tools he has – I think that's pretty awesome to try and mold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of the um, consternation about backup quarterback and a lot of the maybe longing isn't the right word, but, um, you know, the, the talk about going to the transfer portal to to bring in a backup that has experience. I mean, there are a lot of, of – issues that come into play when, you, when you're going to try to do that. Mainly, there's just not going to be a ton of guys there available to fill that role. Um, but the other thing, and I kind of noted this in my piece, was, you know, at the end of the day, like, do you really want to take those developmental reps away from, from Harburg or Smothers? Um, because if you, if you were to bring in a, a, another guy, and, you know, I'm with you and thinking that it's not going to happen. Frost has said three times now it's not going to happen, so it's kind of a moot point. But just hypothetically, if you bring in another guy, you know, one of the two of of uh, Harburg or Smothers are going to suddenly just not get snaps, not get reps in practice. They're going to be a practice team player or, or whatever, and then you've got the other guy as, a, as sort of a third-string quarterback. Um, I, I think the potential benefit for just letting those two continue to develop um, far outweighs, you know, the, the – advantage of having a capable backup behind Adrian Martinez. Cause I think what they found this spring is that he might not have experience um, at the D one level. He has none. Um, he might still need to sort of uh, gain some comfort, gain some confidence in the, in the offense within the scheme to sort of know what's required um, of him within the context of, of, you know, in, any given play, but, as far as just like going in and being a Division One quarterback, being a Big Ten quarterback, I mean, I saw that from Harburg a year ago during his senior season in high school. I mean, he looked like a guy. I talked to his coach about this a bunch, and I talked to other people about this a bunch. He just looks like that kind of a player. Um, and, you know, you can't really get experience without getting experience. Um, and so, you know, if, if a situation arises where, Adrian Martinez is unavailable or, you know, what they would prefer if they're up by 30 or so points going into the fourth quarter, you get Harburg in there. He's going to make mistakes, um, which you saw him make in the, in the spring game. Or if it's Smothers, he's going to make mistakes too, which you saw him make in the, in the spring game. Um, they're still freshmen, but, you know, I think both of those guys, I think what they found is that both of those guys are completely capable quarterbacks. Um, probably I mean not probably they have they have a bit different skill set from from one another but they're both capable quarterbacks and so it's not it's not going to be perfect but if you have to go with one of those guys um I don't think there should be any you know like real pearl clutching going on if that has to happen or, or true fear if that has to happen um I think both of those guys could could operate at a decent level I mean we're talking about a backup quarterback mm-hmm. so it's not like you know, they're not taking Adrian Martinez's job, so there's obviously going to be a drop-off if you go from the number one to the number two. Um, but I also think, too, like some of the concern about Adrian is a little overblown. I mean, he's missed 
one or two games um, each season, and 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 you know he's he's played through stuff. He played through stuff at the end of last year, and, and said that if they were going to play a bowl game, it, it would have been tough on him, but he would have he would have done it. Mm-hmm. He played through stuff the back half of the 2019 season. Um, he's lighter now. They got to keep him upright a little bit more. Um, but I think the offensive line will be better, and so you know I I, I think. I feel comfortable with where they're at at quarterback right now. Derek Peterson's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Derek, I want to move to some of these testing numbers uh, that we saw this week. And obviously the name that, that jumped out to a lot of Husker fans was, was Phelan Sanford. Uh, he put up some pretty extraordinary numbers in testing. Uh, and, and I just want to know, are, are you buying stock on him after the spring that we saw? As a special teams player, absolutely. Um, we're, we're, we're kind of in the process of writing piece, pieces for our um, the 2021 Nebraska football yearbook. Um, and, you know, as it relates to special teams, I think he could absolutely be a, a mainstay. I mean, he played uh, in each of Nebraska's last five games last year as a special teams player. And I don't, you know, I, I, it, it, it has, you know, depending on who you're talking to, you say, oh, he's a special teams player. Um, it, it carries a connotation of he's not good enough to, to play on the defense. I don't think it's, that situation, they're really talented on defense. I don't think we, you know, we should be. I've seen a couple people that have said, "Oh, he's, he's going to push for starter snaps on defense, or he's going to play on defense, or whatever." I don't think you should take it that far. Um, but if he's a a capable special teams player, I mean, clearly he is an athletic freak. Um, and you know, like Jacob Padilla likes to point out uh, that that Sanford either had triple doubles or flirted with triple doubles when he's playing high school basketball a three-sport athlete in high school, um, clearly has a lot of athleticism. And so for them, and strength, too, like we saw today, a little, uh, what did he squat? He squatted 500 pounds, um, hang clean 325. I mean. It's Dr. Um, Petey numbers. That's a good dude. Oh, God, no. That's a good dude. No, my numbers, my numbers, I'm uh, I'm up there challenging with Cam Jurgens in a 723 squat. You are. Okay. That's, that's where I'm at. It has been Vodka Friday. All right. Um, I, I love it. Can, can, maybe Sanford feels like kind of like the Isaiah Stalberg role a couple years ago. Sure. You remember kind of what he was able to do with special teams. No, that is – well, it's it's an option. And, and the way Coach Fisher has that room rolling, I mean – I know that there's Newsom and Clark and, and Joseph and I mean there there's there's guys that are air quote supposed to be in front of a, a you know a, a, a Sanford but you know what good on him continuing to grind and those numbers speak for itself and special teams Absolutely. and beyond I mean I'm I'm excited to have that option and being a guy from Nebraska you always kind of sentimentally root for Nebraska kids walk on or scholarship. And uh, that's good stuff. Derek Peterson's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Derek, know you're a big NBA guy, and I uh, wanted to get your take on this here about a minute and a half or so. But you know, do you have a do you have a reaction to to load management specifically in the playoffs? I get it during the the regular season; it's 82 games, and then if you do your job in the postseason, it's another 20 games potentially. That's a lot of basketball, and. The, the turnaround time, there, there was not as much of a window, obviously, with COVID. You know, what's your take on this um, with, with guys maybe taking a game or taking some minutes off uh, even during postseason? No, I hate it. I hate it. And, and, and I say that acknowledging that this season is unlike any other because of 
the timeline that they finished the previous season on. I mean, if you look at the guys that played deep into the, the last postseason we went through, a lot of them are hurt right now, or a lot of them have been hurt throughout the season. I think there's a direct correlation. At the same time, Silver came in. And, and I'm okay. Let me say I'm a little biased because I had a uh, championship caliber fantasy basketball team that was absolutely wrecked by teams like the Toronto Raptors deciding to just sit guys for for no reason. Um, like I knew Jeremy Grant was going to have a great year, and then he just didn't play the last like 25 games for the Pistons. I think it's one of those situations where they just need to shorten the regular season, um, space games out more. Like there's no. It, it, there's no there's no reason that we should be playing the, the the regular season product has been diluted so much um, and I think with silver being so pro player I think it, as it relates to this conversation mm-hmm. the toothpaste is all the way out of the tube with sure. this one and I don't know how they're gonna I don't I don't know short of shortening the regular season how they fix it but it's a it's a problem for them it should be because. To me, I didn't care about this regular season. I mean, part of that is because Oklahoma City wasn't trying to win. I couldn't watch them. But part of it was because you look up every other night and dudes aren't playing. Like, the Nets guys were on TV constantly, and it was one of the three playing all the time. Um, I don't want to see guys sitting in the playoffs. I think that's weak. I think that's mentally weak if you sit in the playoffs. Um you, the, the goal should be 16 games. Get 16 games to a title. That should be the goal. Don't sit games out. I think that's mentally weak. I hate the load management situation in the NBA, and I understand that they need to play fewer games um, for the players, and I understand that this was an exacerbated season, but real things got to change. Otherwise, I'm, you know, I'm going to have a hard time getting invested in regular seasons going forward. Derek Peterson, com and Magazine at DrPDHV on Twitter is where you find him. Derek, thanks for jumping on, man. Best to you. We'll get caught up next week. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you having me and letting me rant at the end. Love it, brother. Take care. We'll uh, hit some Husker baseball, coming up some thoughts from Will Bolt. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We talk load management, and it is something that's kind of wore out, and there's a lot of guys my age that, that just love hoops. There's a couple of baseball dads we'll get together with and have a cocktail or several and order a pizza and hang out in the garage and watch some NBA. And, and I love the athleticism. Not, you know, I'm not coaching, nor am I betting, so I don't really care about the shot selection. But let's just say there's a hell of a lot more threes due to the Curry era than there used to be. Transition threes, right? Instead of a two-on-one break, it's a two-on-one. Okay, here's a trailer. Let's kick out for three. But guys have been so skilled at shooting from the arc that they nail them, right? NFL is something you can see more load management. Teddy Bruschi was commenting on this. Teddy's one of those warriors that played a a ton of football, won championships with New England. It's part of that desert swarm defense with Arizona in the early 90s. And, And he went from defensive lineman to linebacker, switched positions, and, and Brewski's like, yeah, with, with this extra game, you're going to have 17 regular season games in the NFL. You could see some guys in the NFL 
practicing load management. And you've always seen that, too, in, in week 17 or week 16, excuse me, especially if you have a fantasy football league where your league goes all the way through week 16 and some backs will sit down or some of the skilled guys or quarterbacks Listen, we're not going to play our, our stud. We're already in the postseason. We've already got the bye. Our position won't move with its win. There you go. But you're having a 17th game. We'll see how it's decided. But that's that's something that is going to be on the horizon uh, more so with this extra game in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I don't like 17 games. Um, I think 16 was already a, a marathon. A lot. 16 is already a marathon for these guys. If you're going to add a 17th, give everybody a bye week before the playoffs start. Yeah, space it out. I, I just G- give, give give them one week off for the playoff start. Because how many times do you see teams just? I mean, you're talking about load management. You're saying we're we're going to get some. I'd rather we stay away from it. How often do you see guys in that last week of the season teams throw out their starters for you know one quarter and then let their backups take the rest of the game or even not even play their starters at all? And it just it takes a game away. And if you're going to add a 17th game to get this extra revenue, you should be expecting that there's going to be teams that aren't going to be playing their guys in the 17th game. So. As opposed to giving them a 17 game and going straight into the playoffs, give them a week off. Give everybody in the NFL a week off. Let them get right, and let's get ourselves a good competitive playoffs. I I don't think we, and you played it at a high level in high school, so there were games and practices you were sore afterwards, right? I don't think we can comprehend the amount of violence, and even if you've been up close and personal, in an NFL game, the speed and the physicality and the just how brutal we love it, but just how brutal it is on on another body. Uh, I don't think you can put into words. And you talk to guys that play on the lines of scrimmage, and brother, they it is absolutely a a a death march marathon to get through. And you're not healthy and you're playing hurt because your contracts aren't guaranteed and you're trying to take care of your body. You're still getting your lifts in. You're still getting your game plans in. While And while contact isn't what it used to be, you'd earn your money for the season a lot of times during training camp where you'd have two-a-days. Don't have that anymore. But you got to be a professional and go out and, and crush people off the edge on third and eight or... On first and 10, you're going to run Zeke up the middle. We're going to talk to Cedric Golden here in about 30 minutes. I mean, Dallas was great because they were incredible on the offensive line. Their offensive line would crush your defensive line. And, oh, by the way, here's Ezekiel Elliott coming downhill. It's a real thing. And you talk to some NFL guys, and they're just like, bro, it's they love the game. They love the living it provided, but it is so vicious to their bodies. And they're in great shape, and they're young. They're low, you know, early twenties to to early thirties. I mean, I, I just don't think you have a concept of concept of how how truly brutal it is on on a on a human body. And this is it, we're talking twenty 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 one. We're not talking the dark ages of the Howie Long era or the. John Matuzak era or the Kenny Stabler area where, where guys just they haven't lived that long. Their their quality of life's brutal after age 40 or 45 or 50. And then you have the CTE thing. So and that's not just to, to pass over CTE, obviously not. But you just you see the effects of it. I mean, these guys are taking 
harder hits than you and I could even comprehend on a weekly basis, if not a daily basis. You're doing it. You're doing it for three and a half hours, sixty to, to ninety plays. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, th- just to think about the amount of damage these guys are taking. Cole Beasley played in the playoffs on a broken leg, mm-hmm. and he could handle it. Like, imagine just how much a broken leg would hurt you or me. This guy's out there playing on it because he takes hits that cause him that much pain on a, a weekly basis. And eventually, you, you kind of get numb to the pain, or you, yeah. fi- or you find a way to get numb to the pain. Oscar Baseball trying to invo- avoid a, a painful weekend. They want to continue this uh, march towards the Big Ten regular season title. Huskers enter in at 23-11. and 11. Northwestern, four games under 500. Uh, they're on the bus. They're ready to go. And uh, first pitch tonight, 6.30 at Haymarket. Pretty awesome. Here's Will Bolt. I think they get on a bus tomorrow morning uh, to come play. So I've talked to their coach this week, Coach Allen, and that's unless something happens between today and tomorrow, uh, that, that's the plan. They'll be on a bus uh, headed this way and get going on Friday. So here's the rundown on Northwestern. They can hit, and uh, they can hit well. Nebraska's pitching better be on their A game. Yeah, what stands out is they've got a lot of power uh, through their lineup. A lot of guys that scare you, raise your blood pressure a little bit when they step in the box, um, you know, and still hitting for a pretty good average uh, on top of that. So they've they've been a team that's put up a lot of runs at times. And, um, you know, that thing about it is, is they're going to be, um, you can look at it one of two ways. It may be rusty for having not played a couple of weeks, but also at the same time, uh, everybody's pretty fresh too. Um, you know, this time of year, at times, the, the grind of playing, uh, maybe your bat speed's not as good as it was early in the season, or maybe some arms are a little bit more fatigued. I mean, they're going to be um, refreshed, ready to rock. Um, they, they always play us tough. Um, they're going to be ready to play. Um, so from a scouting standpoint, I mean, there's, I guess there's probably enough of a, a sample size this year where you can kind of get some, some information um, from, from what they've done up to this point. But, um, you know, again, it, for us, it's just all about it's honestly all about us. It's all about us playing the game that we're capable of playing. And uh, regardless of the opponent, we respect every opponent that we play. Our guys are going to be ready to play um, and, you know, not look too far ahead. Just just be our best on Friday. You know, I think that's the biggest thing I take away from Will Bolton, Nebraska baseball. His guys are always ready to play. And uh, more times than not, they're not beating themselves. And I don't think they get an inflated head. I think they truly do. And you got to do it in baseball anyway, but I don't. I don't think they overlook many opponents. Base runners are going to be key. Nebraska, Northwestern, the top two teams when it comes to stolen bases. So extra bases uh, going to be hard to come by here, and this is huge. We talk about kind of a mandatory sweep. Uh, easier said than done, but you get three in a row this weekend. That's so key. As you've got this log jam for first with Indiana, Michigan, Nebraska. You take three this weekend, that could be monstrous. We'll wind down hour one with Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Thank you, Kramer. Winding down this first hour, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, find us on Twitter. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence on Twitter, is where you find Elijah. 
can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com and uh, get the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a rating. Give us some feedback. We love hearing from you. Bill Dolman's 10 minutes away. We will dive into uh, Bill Dolman's playlist if if we're going to put together this long-term look at summer concerts kicking off a football season. I'm sure Bill Dolman will have some musical ideas. Uh, More thoughts on uh, some big red football from Billy D. Uh, truth or rumor, if he snuck into Farm Aid in 87, and then Cedric Golden. We'll dive into some NFL with Cedric. Uh, do you love him or do you hate him when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys? You might have a little gray area, but you're either one or the other. So Cedric will kind of run down some Cowboys thoughts post-draft and some Randy Gregory inside. Also, his take on, on Big Ten baseball from Big 12 and SEC country. Cedric's been covering uh, college football, the NFL, NBA, and and been to the College World Series a lot in his career with the Austin American Statesman. So uh, let's uh, talk about uh, chasing Indiana right there with Michigan. Uh, Will Bolt is again focusing on tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, and it's in that order. It's game one, laser-focused, his team presumably laser-focused. That's his mantra but he was asked to kind of talk a little bit about in his press conference this week the the race for number one in the Big Ten. Again, we just needed to we needed to get back to playing better baseball. The weekend at home with Rutgers wasn't as we've talked about. It wasn't the, from a lack of uh, trying the first two games. I mean, we were right there to win both of those games. Now Sunday was not obviously acceptable in any way, shape, or form, and we just wanted to make sure we were ready to bounce back mentally uh, from that, and we did that. That's what we needed to see. Quite honestly, was. Let's not worry about anything else other than just getting back to playing our brand of baseball. Make it all about us. Make it all about um, taking care of what we do best. And um, so, again, that's got to continue to be our message. That's going to continue to be our message is let's not let's not worry about the things that we can't control. We can't control what other teams do. We can't control um anything up to this point other than just us and going out and playing the style of baseball that we know helps us be successful. So um, that'll continue to be the message and and that'll continue to be what um, the dialogue is with the team from the captains to the the rest of the players on the team. And you just can't get caught up in what's going on around you. Um, You just can't uh, because you just you make it more than it should be. And these guys have, have played hard all year. I mean, played as hard as any team I've ever been around. They've competed as hard as any team I've ever been around. We do that. I will be proud of them no matter what. That's really all we ask of them. So um, that, that shouldn't put any more pressure on your shoulders um, when you know that that's all you got to do is just show up and compete, get after it. And we'll, we'll take the results uh, however they may come. Let's get qualified now. 466 800-825-5865. The ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. Caller 9 now qualifies the Weber Grill, the gift card to Campbell's, the gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer. Caller 9 qualifies a week from today that giveaway for the grill the gift card to campbell's the gift card to leon's collar nine four six six three seven seven six 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Don't forget the weekend edition tomorrow at 7 a.m. Elijah, are you in for that, or is it uh, Damon Barr and his handle of rum? I believe it's going to be Damon Barr's final Saturday morning show, if I have really? the, the schedule up correctly. He is already staking out the, bro, I am graduated, and I am not waking up <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll leave the ringer on just in case <laughs> it, it's his uh he, he's not the type to call in sick so maybe he'll no call he's been an iron man actually quite frankly both of you are <laughs> relegated to uh there's an armed guard that doesn't let you leave the studios friday to saturday a lot of times and that tradition started by the one and only Friday fairberry bill dolman with us nbc sports follow bill on twitter at bill dolman and Billy D, kind enough to uh, to sit in last Thursday. Pride of Fairbury, how you doing, man? You know, I'm doing okay. Uh, much better than the uh, guy wandering through the uh, stadium at Coors Field uh, the other day who probably still has a one-punch hangover, but I'm, I'm doing much better than that. Yeah, I've been to Coors and took Junior and his team there. That was one of the baseball tournaments we went to, I think, back in 16 or 17. It was great. It was 12 home runs between the Diamondbacks and Rockies, and it was fantastic. There was not angry Padre fan who clearly has martial arts or uh, or or nail CV, nail, Navy SEAL background to his resume that is going to shut up loud, obnoxious Rocky fan. Uh, you know, Denver's kind of a chill city. You can get uh, a lot of medicinal things there, and someone had just had enough of Rockies fan. And that was one. Was that a Wednesday night knockout shot? That was incredible. I don't know if that was better or the guy and the gal fighting in North Carolina over gas. But uh, the the harder hit was by the Padres fan. Well, no doubt. My my guess is that that that's probably a San Diego guy living in Colorado. Given the fact that much of the exodus of California has led people to uh, Denver. Um, that maybe that was a San Diego fan expecting to see uh, Fernando Tatis, but I think was not playing because of a positive test or sure. whatever the reason was. So maybe he had forked over the cash to go to the game, was agitated anyway, and dude, uh, dude from Colorado just had to have been mouthing off the whole game. But that was a <laughs> hell of a punch. Yeah, but what I'll uh, say is that that was more entertaining than most of the Rockies baseball. Uh, yeah, they've I've, not been good. No, they've been bad. So glad we got that. And then the guy who got punched didn't even press charges. No, he probably deserved it. He probably had 37 <laughs> too many cores and is what it is. That's my guess is uh, he had nobody to back him up of his buddies. Like, brute, dude, you brought it on yourself. Well, the, so, I, I love and, and you got decked by a Padres fan of all things. Well, it was young Padres fan who clearly had the reach advantage. And what's funny is you had two or three Rockies fans, like, after the fact, dude gets lit up and down for the count, night-night time. You had two or three Rockies fans converge on the guy, and they were kind of half-heartedly, you know, grabbing him, uh, worried about their own fear and safety. Did you ever see or experience 
or hear of urban legend fights. And I ask that because of all the, the Nebraska games you've covered in your career, you've been to Furrow Field in Columbia, Missouri. You've been to Boulder a lot. And my favorite experience was three uh, Western Nebraska ranch dudes that we were sitting by in Boulder in 97 Two trust fund pukes tried to pick a fight, and they got tossed. And then the Boulder uh, Gold Coats removed the trust fund pukes. That was hilarious. Uh, so justice was served in the in the in the, uh, the the end zone in Boulder, where it's you know it says Colorado, where Amon Green would always run halfway up the ramp to it. Did you uh, experience, not participate, mind you, but experience or see any fights in in your tours and, and travels with Nebraska? Uh, not, not not really with Nebraska uh, that they, they come to mind, but when you're when you're talking about that, maybe the best fight that I ever witnessed firsthand uh, at an event that I was working at it was an event at a game that I was working was <laughs> believe it or not was uh, Houston Comets women's WNBA game back in around 1998, 99, 2000, somewhere in there when I was in my first stint in Houston. And you recall the Houston Comets led by uh, Tina Thompson, Cynthia Cooper, and uh, uh, the, the gal from uh, Texas Tech. Swoops. Cheryl Swoops. Yeah. Uh, so they'd won like three uh, WNBA titles in a row. They, were, they had it going on. Van Chancellor, who's a terrific guy, was their coach. Could not have been more laid back. But anyway, it's a WNBA game. And uh, I was, I think I might have been a reporter at the game, right? I don't remember exactly. But at the end of the game, there was just this huge brawl that broke out about 20 rows up from the floor, just off to my right. I had my camera guy. I said, hey, you got you to get this. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it, it looked like, uh, you know, a Royal Rumble had spilled out of the ring and uh, into the into the crowd on Monday Night Raw or something. I mean, it was it was uh, pretty remarkable what you know uh, that group of female basketball fans was able to do. And and a lot of people were just standing there, just kind of stunned watching it. But they were spilling over the over the seats and over the rows and hair grabbing. And it was it uh, it was. It was. Uh, it went on a lot longer than the Padre fan over the Rocky fan. It escalated quickly, as they say. But it Bill. was a WNBA game in the late, the late '90s, early 2000s. Bill Dolman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So, Bill, a thought here: Could we see this be the norm? The norm being a major act coming to Memorial Stadium to kick off a football season with Garth Brooks doing the first concert since the '87 Farm Aid. Uh, the were you with To uh, in the late '80s? Where and were you part of that uh, that that entourage with with To and, and Willie Nelson? And what did Willie <laughs> what what did Willie sn- smell like? I don't recall the two of them hanging out together all that much. There's two pictures. There's two pictures, and To looks totally ticked off that 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 Willie's you know probably trying to light the the field turf. Well, that was that was a big deal, and I, I remember I think about it in the World Herald. There's that that famous picture of Tom after Farm Aid taking a look at the field and making sure that everything was okay, and kind of gave him the, the thumbs up or whatever. Um, yeah, there was always concern about what that was going to do to the to the fake stuff. Uh, I, I do remember when Garth Brooks came to Lincoln, and he had that five night concert thing, and he yeah. did the uh, the live video and, and the the con- it was. It was spectacular. I, I got a chance to see, I think, two of those, uh, one of the best concerts uh, I've, I've ever seen. But he came to football practice one day, 
Um, apparently, he wanted to to see the Huskers up close and and uh, was standing on the sidelines, and I happened to be there. And and uh, he said, "Hi, I'm Garth." And I said, "Hi, I'm Bill. You doing okay? Yeah. How about you? Yeah, fine." That so, was uh, you know. So he was a really nice guy. Uh, and then. <laughs> And then Tom kind of gathered the team around, and I remember this kind of per, you know personnel mm-hmm. uh, support staff. But people knew that Garth Brooks was there, and Tom's like, "Well, hey, uh, apparently this fellow would like to say a few words to you." <laughs> that was kind of it. <laughs> and then Garth Brooks talked to the team for a, you know a couple seconds, and that was it. And uh, yeah, he was very nice, very nice guy, but he was kind of a dude that was there to watch practice and said hello to everybody. And it's great that Nebraska's doing this. I think I think it's a great way to kick off the season. I think it's I think it's a reward for Nebraska, Nebraska fans. I think it it sets the tone of Nebraska culturally, not just for the football season. Um, I think we saw that a little bit in the spring game with a, a, a we're back mentality to somewhat life as normal. And, and I think this is just a real healthy thing for the state, and, and you know maybe even you know to a certain extent for the rest of the country just to see. You know what is possible. So I think it's I think it's wonderful that Nebraska is doing it uh, for its fans. I, I, I think it's a great way to start things off. Bill Dolman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio at Bill Dolman on Twitter. The pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. So the time that that Garth got to meet Bill, I'm glad we got to hear this. Did you uh, and Henry Rollins hook up with Garth after the fact on O Street? <laughs> No, I'm not sure that was around the same time. Let's just put it that way. But uh, yeah, that, I guess that would be two uh, two celebrity uh, boxes to check for me. All right. So other brushes with greatness. People remember meeting Bill Dolman. Who else? I mean, did you run into Will Chamberlain? Did you say what's up to Jimmy Buffett? You and Van Morrison. I mean, who? How far does this uh, the six degree stretch? One of my favorite Jimmy Buffett stories was told to me by Pat Croce. Who was uh, He's nuts. Who was, that guy's awesome. The former GM of Philly, right? He owned. He owned him. Okay. He owned. He was a. He was a physical therapy guy who made it big, and then ends up buying the Seventy Sixers. And then uh, you know he's the guy that famously drafted Allen Iverson, and uh, wonderful guy. He and I worked the Olympics in 2016, and just had a, a fantastic time with him. But he was telling me the story because. He's he's like your buddy Mike Leach. He's he's a big pirate guy. Okay. And uh, and so Pat spends a lot of time uh, in Key West okay. and hunting pirates and uh, sunken treasure and all those kinds of things. In fact, I think they they moved the pirate museum to to Tampa St. Pete a few years back. But anyway, he's down in uh, he's down in Key West, and Pat's a pretty big became a pretty big celebrity, and everybody mm-hmm. thought Pat's pretty cool. Well, he became friends with Jimmy Buffett. And so he's down there hanging out in Key West, and he said, you know, he, he got to be so popular in Key West that he'd hang out in, in the Jimmy Buffett's nondescript garage uh, recording studio mm-hmm. and then get on a couple of bikes, and they'd you know, ride their bikes to, you know, Margaritaville or something. But he said it was always funny that when he and Jimmy Buffett were out riding their bikes in Key West, people would always say, hey, Pat, hey, Pat, hey, Pat. And they <laughs> they. <laughs> They, they wouldn't they were, say. They wouldn't say what's up, uh, son, yeah, son, son of a sailor. They're yeah. they more interested in in talking to Pat and getting his autograph than the guy he was riding the bike with. That's hilarious. Yeah. Leach was with us this week, and he was he was loading up on Cuban coffee to go on his bike ride around the island. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we just got to go down to Key West. You call Pat up, I'll call the pirate up, and we'll go drink on one of their boats. 
my, my question is, does Leach still uh, commute to uh, Starkville from Key West on a daily basis I, I, or when needed at practice other than Saturday? I didn't ask him that, but he was happy to be back in Florida. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> I without saying. <laughs> Bill, uh, let's bring this around full circle. We started this by talking by Garth about Garth Brooks. So let's say the Huskers bring this concert back next season, 2022. And they call up Bill Dolman and say, Bill, we need your opinion. Who do you want to come play Memorial Stadium? What, what, what short list of names are you giving them? Well, of course, for me, it would be Van Morrison. But, you know, that, that's, that's just me. You know, and then around round of Guinness for everybody in the house. But so I, you're, I you're pro it. beer. Uh, that, good. Good. We got that out. We, well, we, we I, need alcohol sales. I think that anytime you get uh, you can get Garth Brooks to come, I think that would be great. So I would just make it a regular thing, kind of like when they have a blues traveler. I go, I think, don't think it's happening this year. The blues traveler used to be the the every July Fourth house band at Red Rocks. Oh wow! Uh, I think maybe that'll just kick off the season every year with Garth Brooks coming to town, or whoever Larry the Cable Guy has in his Rolodex. That'd be you know, cool. just do a, just do a double bill there. What what would uh, what would you two do for the the draw? Do you think Bono and crew could, or Foo Fighters or something like that? As long as they don't mess up the field, then I think everybody who doesn't like the Foo Fighters. No, exactly. You know? and and people yeah. people like you uh, uh, two. I mean, you you and I like you two. I don't know, Elijah. Do you give a damn about you two? Uh, I know the album Joshua Tree. That's about it. So yes, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard of this album called Joshua Tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I don't think U two is in the the forefront of the the young people's minds right now. But hey, Foo Fighters is still big. My people my age still like Dave Grohl. Yeah, well, if you really want to get it, yeah, if you really want to get it going on, how about like a Josh Groban and Michael Blue Bay uh, double billing? I think that would really get people fired up for the season ahead. Jump off the 99th row, <laughs> no parachute. I'd just say let's wherever you were sitting for the spring game, I would, I would launch. <laughs> One million row C12. Yes, Bill, uh, what's on on your uh, docket this weekend? What's uh, shaking for you before we say goodbye? About a minute left here. Well, I'm just counting down the ten games left in the uh, the college baseball regular season for the Huskers. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the the 20 sites that came out mm-hmm. today, and I, I was first of all, Nebraska's got a pretty healthy schedule going down the stretch with what two games against Indiana. You got two games against Northwestern in the middle of the pack. You got two against uh, Ohio State, and then you've got the three with Michigan. So you got ten games to go. If Nebraska were to go seven and three in that, win the Big Ten. And, and, if the, and if the college baseball powers that be are wanting to generate some interest and have people in the seats, I, I watch a little college baseball, and I, pandemic or not, there's just nobody there, right? If you want people in the seats to, to get charged for the, the road to Omaha, then I, and maybe that, that series against Rutgers in Lincoln a couple of weeks ago was devastating to Nebraska's chances. But if you've got, there's, there's no Big Ten site. Mm-hmm. amongst the final 20. So uh, I think there should have been some incentive for Indiana or Nebraska or Michigan, who has the chances to win the Big Ten title, that, you know, that you're at least on the list. Yeah. And I think college baseball has done itself a great disservice by putting that list out. I know well, the, the Big, Big Ten, Ten is not a power conference, but Big, come on. Big Ten did itself a disservice by not allowing 
non-conference games to have a money RPI. That's, this is on the Big Ten. Totally agree. That, that's just par for the course for 20 and 21 mm-hmm. out of out of the Big Ten. That, that's too bad. But I, I think, you know, I think Will Bolt's got his team turned around in the right direction at, at this time. And uh, I could see them going 7-3 and three down the stretch and winning the Big Ten title. But I just wish they'd been at least had that little carrot out there mm-hmm. that if they win this thing, they got a chance to host, which they which they should, because you know Nebraska fans would, would flock as well as any other place in the country. So it's, that's really disheartening, uh, uh, I think, for, for Will Bolt and company as they uh, go down this final 10 games. Billy D, we'll talk next week. Thanks for the time today. All right, go Big Red. See you guys. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back to it. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some world of sports. We welcome in our man from the Austin American Statesman, Cedric Golden, back with us. And uh, Cedric, what's new, man? It's been a while. How you been hanging? Man, it's, it's great, Chris. Uh, you know, we survived that big freeze uh, down here in February and um, I, I figured out how to operate my gas fireplace for the first time in 10 years and uh, hoping to never use it again, but uh, we'll see. You know, the, the fireplaces I've seen down in Texas are, I mean, most of them rival the Game of Thrones, right? You guys don't have to use them all that often, but man, they're impressive when you walk into a living room. They really are, and uh, they're, they're more impressive when it's eight degrees outside. You gain a, a new appreciation for them. I bet. Check out Cedric, of course, his uh, podcast on Second Thought. And uh, he covers uh, NFL, uh, Texas, and all things. So I want to start off with, with the Cowboys, Cedric, and we'll get to some college baseball thoughts. But overall, were you, were you impressed? Did, did Dallas do what they needed to do? In the draft, I know they went real heavy defense. We've seen Micah Parsons up close and personal pre-opt-out, even back during the recruiting cycle. He was showing off that 4-3 speed run-and-go routes uh, during a, 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 a June summer night uh, camp here in, in Lincoln way, way back. We're talking 2015, 2016. And everybody in red was drooling. No shot of getting him, mind you. But, uh, you know, you fast forward to now, and uh, he looks like uh, a guy that can fill that Sam Backer spot in a really good linebacking core. Overall, though, Dallas favored again to win the East. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, they didn't overthink this, uh, Chris. They, They knew coming in that they needed help on defense. Eight of their 11 picks went on that side of the ball, and, uh, I, I wrote a couple of days before the draft that uh, they sh- they should go with one or two cornerbacks, J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan the uh, second. Horn out of South Carolina, Sertan out of Alabama, and uh, lo and behold, the two teams picking in front of them, Carolina and Denver, scooped up those corners right before Dallas. So they traded out at number ten and uh, got got who many believe to be the best af- defensive athlete in the whole draft in Micah Parsons. And I like the pick. I know linebackers don't go go as early anymore as they used to, but um, the days of the big, bulky, big Butkus-type linebackers are in the past. Uh, You need guys now that are in uh, sideline to sideline, guys that can cover a running back coming out of the backfield, guys that that can blanket a tight end in pass coverage, 
those are the kind of guys that are that are starting to proliferate these these NFL defenses. Smaller, faster linebackers who run like wide receivers. And so he fits that bill and they have Leighton Vander Ash who they decided not to um take advantage of the fifth year option with him, so he might just play out the string this season and and then they're just gonna move on to a, a smaller, faster defense because I think that's what's working. You look at Tampa Bay with Levante David, guys like that. If you want to go old school, guys like London Fletcher, mm-hmm. smaller, faster linebackers, they're kind of the rage now. And then they come back in the, uh, with, um, with uh, Kelvin Joseph in the um, second round, which is a, a good cornerback out of Kentucky. So they really address some needs. And, you know, they're, they're still going to be able to, to fill some spots in free agency. Uh, but uh, as far as uh, going in with a plan and coming out being better than you were when you went in, I think Jerry and company did a good job. Cedric Golden's with us here, Austin American Statesman, Hale Varsity Radio. You hit the nail on the head with the Levante David, and Levante is one of our favorites, and obviously saw him here at Nebraska, and he's been great in Tampa. And, and yeah, I mean, you look at the offenses today, uh, more of a spread influence in a lot of in a lot of NFL offenses when you look at what the Chiefs are doing. And you need that guy that absolutely can, can come off the edge and make a TFL on the quarterback. But above all, can they be as good as safeties, right, in coverage? What's your word on, on Dan Quinn uh, as he's taken over the defense? What's his history? And then how do the puzzle pieces in Dallas fit with what he likes to do? Well, he's obviously an upgrade over Mike Nolan. And, you know, Mike Nolan, it just didn't work out. And, you know, even though he, he's a, uh, from an NFL family, I, I just think that Dan Quinn is is got to be the right guy. He's He's been everywhere. Uh, 49ers, Dolphins, Jets, Seahawks, assistant, a defensive coordinator at Florida University. Uh, back with the Seahawks, and then 2015 to 2020, he was a head coach at Atlanta. So um, I, I really think that uh, what he's going to bring in, and his teams at Atlanta, they they were based on speed. They were based on speed, and they had they had small linebackers like uh, Deion Jones, and and they had uh, good athletic tackles like Grady Jarrett. Those are the kind of guy, you know. Those are the kind of guys that they could get after the quarterback with, and, and of course, we all remember in Houston. I was there. You're up twenty-eight-three at halftime, and you don't get it done. Mm. You lose that lead to the um, New England Patriots, and uh, you forgot what what brought you there, and that was running the football with Devontae Freeman. They couldn't stop him, and then you got away from that. And Tom Brady's Tom Brady. So I um. I'm, I'm very, um, I'm very excited to see what he does with Dallas. Dallas has some; they have a lot of gaping holes on defense. You drafted to those needs. Now you have to coach these guys up to fill those positions. I'm not really worried about the offense, Chris. I mean, Dak Prescott's already walking around without a lamp, and he's in drills. Ezekiel Elliott is going to try to address those critics that say he's lost a step and a half. And then you have some really good receivers, uh, C.D. Lamb, um, and 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 guys like that. 
And so I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested to see defensively. That's why Jerry brought him in here mm-hmm. to get stops. He's a defensive-minded coach. Mike McCarthy is an offensive-minded coach. So for me, for me, I think that could be a really good mix. That is, if Mike McCarthy's not past his prime, he had some really questionable coaching decisions last year during games that got some people's attention. Hopefully that was just a bad mulligan with him coming back for the first time in a few years. Hopefully he'll be back to being the Mike Quinn that got the Packers of the Super Bowl. Cedric, you mentioned the Cowboys' offense, and let's move there really fast if you don't mind. Uh, lots of star power on that offense. You listed off CeeDee Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, but all eyes are going to be on Dak Prescott. And, and do you think that Dak Prescott can get back to the level he was playing at before the injury? I mean, before the injury last year, he was on pace to break some NFL records with the, with the passing yardage he was putting up. He was the best quarterback in the league for, like, the first four games. Now, I, I know, mind you, he was – they were playing from behind in some of those games, and he was having to throw it more uh, when they weren't able to run it as much. But I, I do believe uh, the big question, guys, is are you going to retool that offensive line? And that's going to be that's going to be the biggest question going into this season. Tyron Smith is an All-Pro left tackle, but he's pro- but he's probably well past his 29, 30 years of age. He's probably playing with the body of a 38 or 39 when they're back, when your back goes out, man, uh, there's no coming back from that full, full fledged. Most people we know that had one back surgery are going to have another. That's just how that is. So I hope that they can retool that line. Um, Travis Frederick, I believe was either one that retired. He had the, had the syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you got, you got to replace him. Uh, and so there are so many pieces that are missing. And just a few, um, just a couple of years ago, they were easily the best offensive line in the league. And it doesn't take long for that to go away. They drafted Carter Williams from Texas. Um, and uh, Zach Martin's still around. But for Travis Frederick's the one who retired. You got your other tackle, Lyle Collins, who had his moments. He's coming off a of hip surgery, so those are so all of a sudden your offensive line's gotten old. And then you have a quarterback coming back from major ankle surgery. We are not sure if he's going to be running around like he used to run around. Is he going to slow down a little bit and be more of a pocket passer? You know, and if he is, he's got he's got a bevy of receivers, and he's got Ezekiel Elliott behind him, but. Uh, we have to see what kind of Dak Prescott we have, and, and then we're going to look at the offensive line. They're, they may not be ground and pound like they used to. They may be more of a in protection mode, but either way, it's going to all come down to Dak. If Dak is the same Dak we saw before he got hurt against the Giants, it was, I believe, uh, then the Dallas Cowboys would be fine offensively. Cedric Golden's with us, Austin American Statesman. Some NFL thoughts on the Cowboys. Cedric, uh, we'll move on here real quick uh, from the NFL, but I need to get your take. What's the, the prognosis for, for Randy Gregory? Got to ask you the token Husker question. You know, Randy Gregory, we've talked about Randy Gregory over the years, and you, you want Randy Gregory to do well. It's always up in the air with him. The one thing, the one thing that I really admire about Jerry is he's kind of a guy who gives a second chance. Mm-hmm. I believe – 
the fact that they let the Missouri kid walk, Alden Smith. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they let him walk, I think that might be a benefit to Randy Gregory, you know, um, uh, because they're going to need him. Uh, they have, they just have some pieces. Uh, Tank Lawrence up front, a very good defensive lineman. But you, then you look, you look at Dar- Durant Armstrong from Kansas, Bradley and Nye. They signed a free agent, Terrell Basham. And then they, then they have bringing a guy, Rondell Carter, back from last year. Those guys don't set the world on fire, uh, Chris. Yeah. Uh, Randy Gregory in limited action, he had three and a half sacks, 21 tackles, and he, and he had 12 quarterback pressures, uh, three forced fumbles. I'm just looking at those numbers here. So if you can get, if you can get more reps out of Randy Gregory, keeps, stays, stays out of trouble, that's the big one. Let's, let's not overlook it. Randy Gregory stays out of trouble. If Randy Gregory can give you 35 tackles and eight sacks mm-hmm. and 15 quarterback pressures opposite DeMarcus Lawrence, then he then he's found himself a home because that's what they want. And so um, he had a really – if you think about a guy that's been gone for two years, he had a really good year last year. And so I know they're excited about giving him some increased opportunities up front to just to see, okay, you did this in limited play. Let's see what you do if we give you uh, five or ten more snaps a game. You're going to make some more impact. So if I'm him, I'm looking at this as a new lease on life. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Cedric Golden back with us. Aaron Rodgers, do you like Denver? Do you think Green Bay? Do you think Jeopardy? Where where's Cedric's where's Cedric's compass going? <laughs> uh, well, my my personal compass goes to Olivia Munn, but I, since this is a sports <laughs> show, um, well, let's <laughs> and uh, I well love done. Jeopardy. Uh, real, real real quick story: where I'm from in my hometown, there were two ABC affiliates, mm-hmm. and uh, they would show Jeopardy. One one ABC affiliate would show Jeopardy at four o'clock, and then the other affiliate would show it at four thirty. So I invite my my girlfriend at the time, who I'm now married to for 20 years. I would invite her over at 4:30. She wasn't from Tyler, so she had no idea. But she'd sit there, and we we're watching, and I'm just rattling off all these answers, and just she thinks she's married to she thinks she's dating Albert Einstein at the at the time, because I'm so dang smart. And so my wife, uh, my sister, tells her, "Girl, he watches the four o'clock one, and then he's trying to impress you with the 4:30 one." So she was impressed enough to stick around. But uh, if you're asking me where Aaron's going to play, he's got to play at Green Bay. Yeah, that'd be crazy to to to, uh, to deal Aaron Rodgers. What are you going to get from the Denver Broncos for Aaron Rodgers? Drew Lock, Drew Lock. Yeah, good luck with that. One. Von Miller. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, they could package something. I just don't know how serious he is about this game of chicken and retirement. And I mean, the, the GMs obviously torqued him off. You know, Aaron Rodgers does not want to retire. No, I know he's not ready to retire. Just won an MVP, and he hates the GM. And the GM never dra- didn't draft a receiver uh, two years ago when he could have had T. Higgins. And you drafted a quarterback from UTEP. Good Lord, what is that about? And and so I I, I don't blame Aaron for being upset, uh, but you could tell last year watching him on the field, he was having fun. 
with those younger guys uh, like Aaron Jones and Marquise Valdez, Scanling and Devontae Adams. Uh, he was having a ball with all those weapons. And so I don't think he wants to go, but I know he hates the GM. I, th- I think that the Packers are going to try to smooth it over, uh, make some, try to make a couple of moves in free agency. Like you said with Denver, though, man, it, it, start, it begins and ends. You got you got to go Von Miller and one of those young receivers before we even start talking. If you want Aaron Rodgers, so and I don't think that the Broncos going to part ways with the career leader in sacks. So I just don't think it's going to going to amount to a hill of beans. Cedric, Aaron Rodgers going to be at Lambeau this fall. You know, it'd be good to see Cedric Golden's with us. Cedric, from afar, your take on Big Ten baseball? Will Bolt's done a great job. But the Big Ten didn't do any non-conference games. The RPI is not good for a lot of the teams. It looks like five are projected to get to the postseason. You see the SEC and the Big 12 up close and personal as often as you want. What's your what's your take on the Big Ten uh, as a league right now? Is it better? Or is it still distant? Uh, what's your view? I've seen some of the projections, and I haven't seen any of the Big Ten baseball teams, so mm-hmm. I know, I know that I know that uh, Michigan is up there with a good RPI, uh, but I'm, I'm, um, you know, having watched some SEC and watched some Big Twelve, uh, the Longhorns are as good as anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've watched them up close. They've got it in all. They've got hitting, pitching, and defense. Um, TCU is very good. I watched, I watched that series. So. Uh, the Big Ten, I, I just don't really have a huge take on it because, first of all, they didn't play many games. Right. And so, huge, and most years you can sneak around ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, and if you catch it on the right day, you'll catch a Big Ten baseball game, you know, in April or, or, or March. And I didn't, I, you know, and so, uh, so I, haven't, I haven't seen any of those games. And, uh, the one thing I know about the Big Ten, if the projections aren't good enough, they'll just change the rules and make sure their guys get in. So that's the power of the Big Ten. Cedric, uh, we'll see uh, how things shake out. I hope to see you back at Omaha soon for some CWS, man. Uh, 50% capacity. We're excited to get things uh, back to normal. Uh, last thought here, what, what are, how are things shaping up for Sark down there in Bevo land? Well, Sark announced to us that he's going to be the only only coach talking to the media. So we we're not we're probably never going to meet his assistant. So he's <laughs> he's following the Nick Saban playbook word for word, letter for letter, uh, except for I don't know about the W. That that's the le- uh-huh. that's the one letter I have most questions about. So if he can follow it all the way to the W and and get ten or eleven wins, then he's just going to be that that really good coach who wouldn't let us talk to the media. But if he doesn't, then, uh, you know, columnist going to be columnist. And you're like, well, well, we, we knew that he was a great assistant. But, you know, jury's still out, Chris. I don't mm-hmm. know that, 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 that uh, Steve Sarkeesian's a great head coach. He was an okay head coach. He was a great offensive coordinator. But now, but now, you're, now, you're, now you're piloting one of the biggest ships in all of college football in them. And uh, fair or not, the expectations here are the same, even though they've won only two championships in 50 years. They expect to be in that mix every year. So we'll see how he handles this pressure cooker. It's a lot easier to be Sark's play caller than it is. I mean, it's a lot easier to be Saban's play caller than it is to be at the helm of, of a uh, traditional power. 
Cedric Golden with his Austin American Statesman. Ced, we'll do this again. Appreciate your extended time today, man. It was fun to chat. All right, so good to hear from you again, bro. Take care. Cedric Golden, love chatting ball with him. Some cool thoughts there on the Cowboys, on Randy Gregory. The uh, search for that Levante David-type linebacker uh, in the NFL. And uh, we'll see where Sark goes. Not a good look for Iowa football and Kirk Ferentz. Uh, Ferentz is none. This is just out here from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. And none of the uh, Iowa-contracted football coaches, including head coach Kirk Ferentz, participated in the voluntary salary reduction of Iowa athletics that was announced last summer. Initially, by A.D. Barta, it was said that, you know, Kirk went along with the pay cut. And uh, coaches were asked to consider the participating, to participating in the voluntary temporary salary reduction. They didn't do that, and Iowa lost some of their Olympic sports. That Those sacrifices had to be made, but Fran McCaffrey, uh, Lisa Bluter, and uh, the uh, other assistants made sacrifices. And uh, you look at the, the, the shortfall, we're talking the uh, deficit driven by the $23.9 million in budgeted football expenses uh, as part of the reductions. So if you would have passed on those bonuses, uh, it could have helped save the athletic department $430,000. The athletic employees who did take the temporary pay cut saved the department $1.6 million. Some of the non-contracted staff and merit employees didn't have a choice. They, They took their... Their pay cut. Now, I'll say this. uh, The bonus that you get for going to a bowl game that ended up being canceled, that additional compensation, they took that money too. The assistants did. And Ferentz's yearly increase of 100K is now from 2.6 million to to 2.7. I'll say this though. The Ferentz family did set up a $100,000 gift each year, so he is giving back. But this isn't a great look. Chime in. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Last thought here, more on this Iowa compensation and deferred compensation. We mentioned Ferentz and football did not take the voluntary pay cut. Gary Barta, the AD's base salary, 600 k gets another 400000 in, in compensation, one point, just over $1 million a year is what Barta's rolling in. Gary Barta last year for Iowa volunteered to reduce his total compensation by th- over 30%. When times got tough and everybody was hit hard by the pandemic, he also shaved off 15% of his $650,000 number. That was supposed to obviously give him an annual bump. So he he dropped his take-home to 552 and then he also shed another uh, 300k in deferred compensation for future budgets and 
another 150000 There's a lot of numbers I'm throwing at you. But the, the point of this is Gary Barta put his money where his mouth was when it came to belt tightening. So Barta's been on a lot of committees. Iowa's had pretty successful programs. And, you know, Ference has donated over a million dollars back to Iowa during his time there. But right now you have the uh, the Cedar Rapids Gazette kind of saying, look, Kirk, everyone else uh, had to have some mayonnaise sandwiches last year. What the hell were you doing? And let's not act like this is going to put him on the hot seat. Um, For him to survive last year and the way they finished the year with the racial tension and mm-hmm. his kid being a goon, you know, his kid's the... This kid's a big-time problem. They got rid of the strength coach that is very well-respected from a from an ability, maybe not a personality, but an ability standpoint. I mean, Urban Meyer wanted to hire him at Jacksonville. Say he, he was the strength and conditioning coach for the Jaguars for a day. Yeah, before what the hell. Which is really falling upwards, yeah. <laughs> um, but what I'll say is this isn't going to put Kirk Ferentz on the hot seat, even if us Husker fans want it to. But Bo Pelini can tell you that your results in the field can only protect you from a poor public image for so long. Um, so while this isn't going to put Kirk Ferentz on the hot seat, say Kirk Ferentz comes out in a year from now, two years from now, he's got a, a four and eight season, a five and seven season, uh, which do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. Kirk Ferentz has built a really consistent program at Iowa, but if it does happen, then you can look back at these you know public relations nightmares and say, hey, Kirk, you're, you're kind of causing us more issues to our university right now than you're helping. And that's the point where it could hurt him down the road. But right now, this I don't think is going to hurt him. They develop as well as any program in the country. And they find two stars and send a lot of guys to the NFL. And uh, they have not had their reload or rebuild season, i.e. four and eight, for a long time. They're, they're in every ball game. They've had some big wins. It's time to take them down again if you're Nebraska. Let's qualify you one more time here for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. Caller nine right now, 466 Caller nine qualifies right now. The Weber Grill from Capitol Patio and the Flame Shop. The gift card to Campbell's Nursery and Garden Center. And the gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer. Be caller nine now. Elijah, get your name. He'll put your name in the box. We will draw one week from today on the 21st. Caller 9 466 800 825 5865 5 7 a.m. tomorrow with Weekend Edition. Thanks.